0: Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast where we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and it is now the 12th day of May, 2016. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from the Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Welcome to episode number 1,297, and I know I have at least 1,299. How do I know this? Because I have two evergreens in the can. And by the end of today, I should have two more. I'm trying to build up my evergreens. Do you know why? Your pal Sully is going to go on a vacation pretty soon. Your pal Sully is going to go away. Your pal Sully is going to go on a trip. And on that trip, I want to focus on being with my family. I want to focus on on, on living the good life. And, you know, if I, if I do manage to record a podcast or two, that's great. But I want to be able to have that not be a, a priority for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm loading up. And by the way, uh, if you have a, a Sunday request that you want me to do, let me know. Let me know as soon as you can because I am intending on basically having about two, two weeks of Evergreen podcasts going up while I'm on my vacation. So I'm going to need some Sunday requests. I'm going to need some topics to talk about, and I have a few uh, few uh, emails that I'm going to read. So if you want to be old school, as I say, and send me an email at info at sullybaseball.com, let me know. Let me know, and we should have some fun doing that. Um, I want to just sort of bring up something that's been going around. Uh, on, on the Boston.com, which is, I guess that's the online version of the Boston Globe. There's a headline that caught my eye the other day, and it said, if the Red Sox tried to trade for Mike Trout, who would they have to give up? Now, I know I'm not, I've am not i been asked to not talk about the Red Sox as often as I do, but I'm going to bring up just for this one point. Who would the Red Sox have to give up for Mike Trout? And I said, oh, this is interesting, and I thought it would be probably... You know, Moncada, Bennett Terry, um, probably Jackie Bradley Jr., probably Dustin Pedroya, probably a deed to Fenway Park, uh, probably the Celtics, Tom Brady, uh, sequel rights to Goodwill Hunting, to Mystic River, all of ben, ben Affleck would have to make all of his films in Anaheim. I mean, it would be it would be insane. They would have to recut Cheers. That no longer took place in Boston, but now it took place in Anaheim. They'd have to send the town of Medford. You know, they'd have to send every Dunkin' Donuts to Orange County. What are you talking about? What is going on here? The, the article that's written by Chad Finn, who is a mainstay of Boston sports writers, it just it says, I'm just going to read the beginning of it. It says, Mike Trout is younger than Jackie Bradley Jr. He's younger than Christian Vasquez and Travis Shaw. He's younger than Pat Light, Brian Johnson, and Matt Barnes. Basically talk about all the young players on the Red Sox. Guess what? Mike Trout's younger than them. And along the way, you know, he put apart, like, you know, who would they have to include? And there would be uh, uh Benatendi, I said his name wrong, uh, Anderson Espinoza, um, and then... Um, Jackie Bradley Jr. would be thrown into the deal. I mean, this is all the things that uh, ESPN's David uh, Schoenfeld was saying that you'd have to put together to put to make this trade. He wrote an article saying the Angels will have to consider trading Mike Trout. And this was the Red Sox. And, of course, that package, which is basically all of their top prospects, Rafael uh, Davers, uh, Davers, I can't pronounce, I never said his name out loud until just now, all the Red Sox top prospects, and that probably would not be enough to land Mike Trout. They would have to gut their farm system to bring in Mike Trout. And in the end, both teams would look like, what are you doing? The Red Sox don't have a farm anymore. And the Angels have a bunch of prospects in exchange for the baseball player who was, whose abilities and body were formed on Mount Olympus by Zeus by Hermes, by Hera, by Poseidon, and by Ares, all of them united their Olympian powers and created Mike Trout and that you would trade them for prospects. Um, I, I'm going to say this. I, am not a, I, I, I make no bones about the fact that I have team biases on this podcast. I do not pretend to be unbiased, but I am objective. I'm not an Angels fan at all. Uh, I tend not to root for the Angels in the postseason unless they're playing the Yankees. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of them. Um, I'm a huge Mike Trout fan. You cannot like a player, or you cannot like a team, and still like a player on said team. I am clearly not a New York Yankee fan, but I was enamored with El Duque Hernandez when El Duque played for the Yankees. You know, I mean, when Shaq was on the Lakers, it killed me because Shaq is one of my favorite sports figures in history. And seeing him on the Lakers was like, oh, come on, I don't want to be a Laker. When he was with the Heat and he won a title with the Heat, I loved that because, oh, I can root for Shaq. I love that. You can root for an individual player even if you don't care for the individual team. Now, Mike Trout is a player who I I love to watch play. There's a handful of players that, when they're up, I watch. Absolutely. McCutcheon is one of them. Giancarlo Stanton is one of them. Bryce Harper is one of them. I love watching Felix Hernandez pitch. I love watching Felix Hernandez pitch. I like watching, I love when he's healthy watching Jose Fernandez of Miami. Love watching him play, absolutely love watching him play. I love watching Bumgarner pitch. I love watching Pedroia play. You know, there are certain players who I, I love watching. Whenever Jose Bautista comes to play, I said, "Up, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm on. I'm watching it. Hold on, I'm going to watch me some Bautista." And so that there they, are individual players in this game, even though I primarily root for Laundry, that I love watching, and Mike Trout is clearly one of them. Mike Trout is. Putting together, I mean, he is, how old is he? He is, according to BaseballReference.com, the single greatest website in the history of planet Earth. He's just over 24 years old. And I th- would say he is almost halfway to a Hall of Fame career. If he has an elite season, and g- guess what, Cousin? He's off to an elite season already. If he has an elite season, that means he will have five seasons of playing MVP caliber baseball five he's 24 which means he just needs to at that point he just needs to sail the ship into port not get hurt and pile up some decent numbers because he's already had that stretch where he's an elite player you know he is putting together the type of career that is you have to kind of stop and and appreciate every inch of it you know i mean his career total so far, according to um, BaseballReference.com, would put him alongside of uh, players like Monty Irvin. You know, and some players who have big, long careers like Pete Reiser. But that's saying, like, that's comparing his career now, what he's done now. He is not yet 25. When you take a look at similar players through through age 23... I've made this point before. When you look at the players who have put up numbers similar to Mike Trout through this age, you have Mickey Mantle, Frank Robinson, Ken Griffey Jr., Hank Aaron, Miguel Cabrera, Orlando Cepeda, Jimmy Fox, Mel Ott, Veda Pinson, and Al Kaline. Assuming that Miguel Cabrera makes it to the Hall of Fame, That means he is most similar to nine Hall of Famers and Veda Pinson, who had an underrated, top-heavy career. He's the best player I've seen play since Griffey. And I make the comparison to Griffey and not Bonds uh, because they're both center fielders. Now, I will say this. Uh, Bonds was the greatest offensive player I ever saw, period, end of sentence. You can make the case of Gwynn being a better hitter. You can make the case of Ricky Henderson being the bigger threat as a leadoff man. You can make the case of Boggs being the most intelligent hitter. But the best all round offensive player I've ever seen is Bonds. But the best all round center fielders I've ever seen, there's two of them. It's Griffey and it's Trout. And we don't know where the ceiling is for Trout. He's at 146 home runs at age twenty-four. I think it I'm not going out on a limb to think that he's gonna have at least twenty more home runs this year. You know, he's gonna be he's gonna be knock, knock, knocking on 175 home runs before his twenty-fifth birthday. So, you know, things like um, four hundred home runs are well within his reach. And not only that, he has seven hundred and eighty-one hits. So the idea of him being a potential 3,000 hit, he's got to be over 1,000 hits by age 25. And it's not crazy to think by age 31 or so he'll be at 2,000 and you find a way to the three. I mean, you talk about he could put up unbelievable career numbers. And he seems to always improve. You know, last year was some people looked at him as, well, was last year a down year or not? It is only if you look at runs batted in. He led the league in OPS. He's an unbelievable, I don't know how to calculate war. And I don't refer to war that often. I don't. But when you consider that he basically is worth about nine or ten games according to war, there is no trade you can make that you would get good value for him. There is no way you're going to pull off a deal where you could find those ten wins and spread them across the table because there's You won't get equal value for him. The, the Angels have been given the gift that is Mike Trout for the reason that he was available on the 25th pick in the 2009 amateur draft. And the reason he was available was because the uh, Yankees signed... Uh, I believe if I if I'm not mistaken okay the 25th pick I'm back at baseballreference.com the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. Yeah, the Yankees signed away Mark Teixeira from the Angels. So they got the the Angels got that pick and they wound up drafting Trout with that pick. Now under today's rules that would have been the Yankees pick because the Angels had acquired um, to share it in midseason. So now if you acquire a player in midseason, you can't pick up the draft pick from him. You understand what I'm saying that you can't you you can't tender him a contract, you're not going to get a draft pick if you pick someone up in midseason. So that would be the Yankees pick if it were done today. But, you know, knowing the Yankees' farm system, they would have passed on him. And that's neither here nor there. He's an angel, according to the rules in 2009. And now with Trout on the Angels, he has given them an unbelievable jolt. And if the good folks in Anaheim and the GM and everyone was running the place, and most importantly, Artie Moreno, knew that they had this seismic Shift that was going to happen. I wonder if they would have signed Albert Pujols. I wonder if they would have signed Josh Hamilton. Those two panic moves Pujols signed for 10 years. Hamilton still on the payroll for the Angels, even though he's currently wearing a Texas Ranger uniform. Mike Trout is a gift from the heavens playing as an angel. And there's no way you're going to get. I don't care if you go to a team and say, okay, the Yankees, for example. They would have to give the Angels their entire farm system. I mean, like every player on their farm system has to now be in the Angels organization. And even then, I don't know if I make that trade. I don't know. Because I don't know if there's anyone in that system who will equal Mike Trout. So the idea of them having to trade him hoping it's going to be some sort of Herschel Walker trade. Remember when the the Dallas Cowboys had Herschel Walker and they traded him away and they wound up getting a you know a crap load of draft picks which they wound up turning into the great uh, Dallas Cowboy teams of the early 1990s. I think true to a better example of something like that, at least a more relevant example, would be in baseball. Take, for example, when the Mets in 2012 had R.A. Dickey, unbelievably popular player, just won the Cy Young Award, the feel-good story of the millennium, him w- winning the Cy Young Award, and just being a beloved player. But it was clear that they were not going to go far, even with him there, and so they traded him to the Toronto Blue Jays, and they wound up getting several players, including Travis Darnot and most importantly Noah Syndergaard, who both I mean Darnot is was a good solid player from in last year's team that went to the went to the World Series, but of course with Syndergaard they got themselves an ace, and a and a potential ace for years and years to come. But you can't compare R. A. Dickey with Mike Trout. You can't do it. There's no way you're going to be able to do it, but yet you look at the rest of this team. Remember how I said at the beginning of the year that you could make a case for any team in the American League and that the American League was so wide open that you can really look at, you can go around and go like, yeah, you know, I mean, even some of the teams that didn't necessarily look like contenders going into the season, you know, a team like, you know, I hate to say it, but Oakland did not look like a contender going into the season. But you could envision a scenario, and you can still envision a scenario where the A's, some of their young players, start to you know kick in for them. I mean, they're six and a half back, but I mean, they have. You know, part of that is on their they're on a little bit of a losing streak right now. They've lost eight of their last ten. You could see them turning that around and chipping away at that lead. Especially neither Seattle nor Texas, while both talented teams, neither one of them are powerhouses. The Angels, though. As they're falling, they're now 13-19. and 19. They're six and a half games out. But most importantly, in terms of the outlook of the team, they're just injuries are decimating them. Houston Street's hurt. Matt Schumacher's hurt. Garrett Richards is hurt. He may not pitch this year. Andrew Heaney is hurt. Um, who else is hurt? Uh, uh, Andrelton Simmons is hurt. Pujols is off to a terrible start. And you can look at this team and you'd say, do you know what? I don't see, with all these injuries and and no depth, I don't see this team contending this year. So you think, if they're not going to contend, then why not trade Trout to get a ton of prospects? And it gets even more bleak when you look at their farm system. I mean, this is one of the worst farm systems in baseball. You know, there's... One of there's a, um, a, really, at minorleagueball.com, which is an SB Nation site, they do a thing where they grade the prospects, the team's best prospects, before the season. A, prospects are elite. B, prospects are the ones who are, you know, good chances to be a good, you know, major leaguer. You may have a nice major league career. C-level prospects are the ones who will probably make it to the major leagues, maybe, you know, Latch on and play a bunch of years, but not really star players. Their top prospect, as listed, was Taylor Ward, who was rated B-minus. And he's in, played in single-A ball. The top prospect in the entire system is looked upon as someone who knows, eh, he might be an okay major leaguer. But there are no blue-chip elite prospects coming through this farm system. They got gotch. And the team that's playing right now is Mike Trout. And it might as well be Mike Trout with actual trout. Actual trout flopping around may be healthier and more productive than this current incarnation of the Los Angeles, California Angels of Anaheim and Orange County. So I think the thing they should do is think about trading everyone not named Mike Trout. When you take a look and you see that Hector Santiago, he's 28, not a great pitcher, but you know, he's a major leaguer. The pitcher who I would really look at is Jared Weaver. Now, Jared Weaver's not off to a good start. And Jared Weaver, who a few years ago was uh, a Cy Young contender, yeah, you know, he was a top-five Cy Young contender in 2010, 2011, 2012, put together some great years, was a solid pitcher as recently as 2014 when the Angels won that, that one division, the one taste of postseason that Mike Trout has ever had. But this year... Weaver had a good, you know, started off okay. He's actually, to be fair, he's really had only two very, he had two bad games. He got clobbered by Minnesota, and he got clobbered by Milwaukee. So, okay, I'm not going to go too crazy. He had two bad games. But he's also going to be a free agent. And chances are, at age 33, the Angels are not going to offer him a contract. And chances are he's not going to be worth a long-term deal. And with Steven Strasburg off of the table, there's going to be virtually, there's not going to be a lot of big time free agent pitchers that are out there. So maybe it would behoove the Angels to have him play out the season, offer him a contract he signs elsewhere. The guy's pitched 11 years with the Angels. He's done his time with the Angels. And with a lot of teams in need of a starting pitcher, and saying hey look at you know he you get him it's he's going to be gone after this year it's like taking a flyer on him getting two young players in exchange for Jared Weaver might be a start getting a, one or two young players in exchange for Hector Santiago or when he gets healthy Houston Street might be a start C Joey Crone. it might be a start what i'm saying is it may behoove the angels to really start to look at this team and think, do you know what, there are a lot of teams in the American League that are on the cusp of contention. And there are several teams in the National League where you say, man, it's going to be tight in, in the NL West, it's going to be tight in the NL East, the wild card race is going to be bananas. We need ready Major League players to insert into our team. Why not Joe Smith? Why not Fernando Salas? Why not take a page out of what the Astros did a few years ago? Why not say, hey, look it, uh, UNL Escobar, you need a third baseman. Teams out there that need a third baseman, we have one, a major leaguer. You know, Cole Calhoun, you want a major league outfielder, we have one. And to sit down with Mike Trout and say, hey, look it, it's not going to happen this year. But if every player that I just said, just think, if every player, UNL Escobar, Cole Calhoun, uh, Houston Street, Fernando Salas, Joe Smith, Hector Santiago, Jared Weaver. Let's say, on average, they get one good minor leaguer for every player that I just said. Obviously, you want to go for multiple. Obviously, if you're going to trade Jared Weaver, you hope you get more than one. If they get one good player who's in double-A, and is going to be ready to come to the major leagues in a year or so. That's what they need to do. Because their farm system doesn't have it. And this team's not going to do it this year. And you're wasting Mike Trout. You have to sit down with Trout at that point And say, look, it's not going to happen this year. But you are not only the face of this franchise. You are potentially the face of baseball. And he is signed through 2017, through 2018, through 2019, through 2020. And you say to him, Mike, it's going to be rough this year. But some money's coming off of the bank. You know, They've still got to pay Simmons. They've still got to pay Pujols. they still got to pay Josh Hamilton still on the payroll. But a lot of money is coming off of the payroll after 2016. And if they say, oh, look, it, we're putting some young kids in here. We're going to be in a position where maybe we can sign a player or we can you know, start to see if we can take someone else's contracts off of their hands. It's going to be a rough 2016. It might be a rough 2017. But you're here, and by 2018, we are going to be a damn good team. And you will be the face of the team. And that you'll be at a point where we'll be thinking about, all right, do we do a contract extension or this, that, or the other thing? And make him the face of the franchise and assure him, assure Angels fans, look it, there's going to be a ton of change here. But Trout will be with this team by the next presidential election, and he'll still be only 28 years old. This is what they have to do. Not trade Mike Trout. Trade everybody else. This is a situation, these injuries are going to be a blessing in disguise. To throw in the damn towel now and come up to these teams that may need a major league player or two, look it, it may mean scrapping this season. That may be hard for some people to swallow but you what will be even worse that we look up 2 or 3 years from now the angels are still a patchwork mess and they're wasting mike trout they have essentially 2 years to make this to basically remake this team remake it through the draft remake it through trades and remake it through foreign free agents you know international free agents and they have a couple of contracts that are going to be hanging around their necks like anvils. Albert Pujols is there. That was a terrible contract. I said it from the minute they signed him. Greatest thing that happened to St. Louis is they didn't have that contract with him, and they wound up getting a draft pick in Michael Waka. Would you trade? Would, do you think the Cardinals would trade Walker for Albert Pujols right now? Of course not. But you can't trade Mike Trout. Trade everybody else. That's what you do. Because when Mike Trout is on an Angels team that wins it all, when Mike Trout is on that team that's jumping up and down in Anaheim or Los Angeles or whatever they call themselves, then it's worth all of this rebuilding. You know, with two swings of the bat in 2014, this all would have been a lot different. With two swings of the bat, the Angels were tied in the bottom of the ninth of Game 1 and Game 2 of the division series against the Kansas City Royals. A home run in the bottom of the ninth of game one and a home run in the bottom of the ninth of game two. The Angels are up 2-0. They probably win that series. They probably beat Baltimore, and who knows how far they get. And if there's already a world championship ring on Mike Trout's finger, then we're having a very different conversation. But we're not. And Trout has three more games in the postseason than me. You can't waste having this opportunity. You've been given Mike Trout. Now build a team around him. You don't have to worry about him in the lineup. Worry about everybody else. Build a brand new squad. Now whether or not this means keeping Mike Sosha around, that I don't know. But don't do th- something stupid. Not when the baseball gods have been so kind to you. To see the up-to-date listings of Who Owns Baseball, go to MLBReports.com. Go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, so I have an iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kalisky. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 12th day of May, 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.